0: Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090, the birthday boy Chris by the way. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seedgiant.com. Use promo code madhouse at checkout to save. Let's drop the puck.
0: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores Hockey Guy Jay Zawoski. Here I, Chicago. Woo! Welcome into this special post-game slash full edition, I guess, of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me for this episode, at least, is the one, the only, Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score. Jay, we originally were going to start recording this uh, episode during the game, but then, of course, that dreaded monster of technical difficulty ensured that we would give our listeners a true post-game podcast.
1: Yeah, the I think your system caught us lying. They caught us uh, cheating the system a little bit, so we're starting over. We're starting over. The Blackhawks beat the Ottawa Senators 8-2. to Hawks going to the Super
0: Bowl! Super Bowl, Super Hawks.
1: The Stanley Cup Blackhawks are back, my friend.
0: <laughs> oh, good to say those words again.
1: <laughs> All it took was the benching of that bum Brent Seabrook.
0: That bum. <laughs> it's, so, it's sad in a way, but you know what? It's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that uh, as we go on with the podcast, but we want to spend a little bit of time on the Blackhawks 8-2 to win four power play goals Jonathan Taves with a pair Nick Schmaltz with a pair Patrick Sharp scores Richard Panic scores I mean everything is coming up Blackhawks the last two games anyway Uh, and god the Ottawa
0: Senators are
1: boring to watch Uh, no more Ottawa Senators please
0: yeah, the Senators are basically the 1995 New Jersey Devils without the chance of actually winning a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, that was not a Martin Brodeur in net tonight. If you didn't notice the Olay uh, Roger Dorn plays by Craig Anderson <laughs> in the first two periods, I don't know what he was looking at or for, but it wasn't a hockey puck because he was nowhere near most of the shots the Hawks took.
0: I would say he was looking for a cheeseburger, but that's another uh, former Senators goaltender, Mr. Andrew Hammond, that would have been looking for that. So, yeah, wow. I'm absolutely yeah, I know, right? Calling back my uh, deep yeah, my Senators history right there. But uh, yeah, it's just it was a very interesting game. It started out one nothing, started out pretty damn boring if we're being completely honest with ourselves, and then all of a sudden, the second period, the Blackhawks just absolutely took off big part of the reason for that was the success of the power play like you mentioned they had four power play tallies tonight which by the way for our listeners counting at home matches their entire total of power play goals for the month of december they had four power play goals the entire month and they just matched it tonight so between that patrick kane setting a new career high for points he had five points tonight Pretty good night for the Blackhawks overall.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I'd, that's the one you want to send. That one in the game against the Penguins, um, you know, th- th- those are the two you want to send to the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, no, this is how the year went. Don't worry about the rest of it. No, it, you know, we're joking around, and and it is nice to see them sort of everything coming together at once. Um, we're seeing Jonathan Taves break out of his slump. We're seeing Patrick Sharp, I don't want to say get hot, but he's got what three goals in his last four games you're seeing uh, Brandon Saad start to score regularly Nick Schmaltz has been scoring more lately so you're seeing this offensive depth that has always been a threat from this team kind of all come out of their funk at once and all of a sudden when that happens when your all-star type players start playing like all-star type players you look like a different team and you get a 4-1 win against the Oilers and an 8-2 win on the road at Ottawa um when this team is clicking they're very good the problem is they're just not clicking often enough and I'm still hesitant to take these two games and make them mean more than they mean they're four points they're four nice points great grand wonderful I don't know if I'm ready to say the Hawks are back just yet but you look at it now we're halfway through the season officially Jonathan Taves has 14 goals that means he's halfway on his way to 30 28 technically but close to 30 which is what you would expect from a normal Jonathan Taves season so I don't know as things go here I start to feel a little better and a little better and you're seeing these young players on the on D like Jan Ruda and Jordan Osterley, start to find their way we already mentioned Brent Seabrook being a, being a scratch we're going to spend a lot of time on that but you're seeing young defensemen get playing time you see Cody friends get waved and sent down so a younger Eric Gustafson can come up and, and get a look one of these games soon We said this year was for evaluation. The guys that we wanted to evaluate, frankly, have been pretty good so far. Not all-stars, not Stanley Cup champion type players just yet. But the signs are there that, you know, some of the young pieces on this team could be here for a while.
0: And I think the key component here to all of this and why I know that we're feeling – at least a little bit of optimism about the way they played the last three, four games, and I'm including the Vegas game in that because there were a lot of good things in that game. And anybody listened to my post game podcast after the game knows that I went heavy on the positives in that one because there just there are certain things we're starting to see from the Blackhawks that are honestly good. Like we're seeing Anton Forsberg kind of settled down a little bit. That's definitely a good thing with Corey Crawford out of the mix. This team's obviously worse without Crawford, but they need to have that solid backup play to at least give themselves a chance. And I think that Forsberg has kind of started to provide that at least a little bit. I liked what I've seen from him. I liked what I've been seeing from Jonathan Taves, who is just doing all the little things, right. And he, I know he's scoring a bunch of goals and that's what everybody's going to pay attention to. But it, to me, it's just honestly, it's the way that he's scoring some of those goals. That's really kind of standing out to me. He's, driving the net hard he's playing really well on defense and then using that to play some transition hockey he's using Vincent Henestrosa perfectly in that regard they've had a lot of goals on the rush and it's been great to see them kind of add that element to that lines game that's really I think helped the entire offense you've had Jordan Osterley, who's been playing out of his mind lately. I think I saw a stat during the game that in his last five contests, he has three goals and two assists, and he's been playing over 24 minutes a game. It's like, it's this crazy, like, kind of coming together of everybody who you need to produce. Your Jonathan Tabes is, your Patrick Sharps, the newer guys, like your Jordan Osterlees. It's been remarkable to see the last few games kind of everybody start clicking at once all these people that were struggling and were dragging the team down and leaving us talking about you know a lot longer term things than just this season now all of a sudden we're snapped back into the current moment because of the way that these key guys have been playing and I think that the Blackhawks deserve a lot of credit for kind of riding through the adversity that we kind of knew they would hit at points this season and Tonight was just another example of the fact that this team can score in a lot of different ways with a lot of different guys, and all it really takes sometimes is just that little damn breaking, just the one almost, it seems like an insignificant moment at the time, but then you hit it, and then just all of a sudden everything starts working, and we'll see if that happens with Richard Panic, who scored for the first time in 27 games tonight. We'll see if that continues for... Patrick Sharp, who's looking faster than he's looked all season. And then Jonathan Tate, too, who we basically had all written off for dead as the way he's been struggling. And then all of a sudden, all he does is score five goals in five games. And now all of a sudden, it seems like everything's right with him again. So it's been a remarkable kind of run for the Blackhawks. And I'm really interested to see where it goes from here.
1: Well, I want to get back to someone you mentioned briefly in that comment you made um Vinny Henestroza, I think has done a ton for that line and when Vinny was called up it was something people had wanted for a, a long chunk of the season and it probably took longer than the Hawks wanted it to take um remember we were kind of saying like look if you're not going to play Jordan Osterley, why are you so afraid to wave him well now we found out right and I, I think I said back in training camp how much the Hawks like Osterley, and you and I were sort of anxious to see him play like all right well if you love him so much and you won't wave him and you won't try to send him down, let's get him on the ice, and since that, since then, he hasn't been out, and he's played really well, but Henestrosa, getting back to my point, I think it's really been a perfect complement to that line, you've got, you know, Jonathan Taves, who, who's Mr. World, he does everything, you got Brandon Sod, who's a, you know, kind of a vintage power forward with a little bit of speed, Henestrosa has been a good complement, because he's taking some of that burden off of those guys, and the fact that he will go into a corner, he will win a puck, he will fight for it. And and I do think that Henestros is a sort of player that the opposition will look at and say, this kid's a threat. He's got a lot of speed. He's got some scoring ability. He's a kid that can change a game in a blink of an eye. I don't know if Richard Panic, when he was on the top line, you know, uh, brought that sort of fear out from the opponent. Yeah, he's a guy that scored 20 goals a couple times. He's a big body. He's a strong guy. But I don't know if that's someone you had to like really keep an eye on all the time. I think Henestrosa is that. And no, he's not Artemi Panarin or Patrick Kane when it comes to scoring yet. But he's a threat. And that speed is something you have to be aware of. And I really like the way he has sort of uh, woven into that top line. And he sort of made himself a fixture there. I don't think it's any coincidence that it's been four games since Henestrosa has been up there. Jonathan Taves has scored in his last five games. I think, you know, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Henestroza is playing a big part in that. Maybe not directly. Maybe it's not, wow, look at this kid making all these plays and Jonathan Taves is, is reaping the benefits. No, but that combo, the way that line is put is, the way that line jives together is working really well and I want to see it. Uh, remain together for a long time I really like what I see from that line
0: it's one of the few things we've been able to successfully call this season we wanted to see what the speed of Vincent Innistroza would do to this offense and frankly we've seen it and it's been good it's been extremely good like they really that top line looks so much better now than it did before having the legitimate threat on that wing and the ability to get Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad the puck in those kinds of scoring situations has completely changed the top six and has taken a lot of pressure I feel like off of guys like Nick Schmaltz who has scored four goals in his last four games and taken a lot of pressure off Patrick Kane who like I said earlier set the new career high in points in a game tonight. It's been remarkable watching how much better the offense has worked by simply moving Vincent Henestrosa up to the top line. And it's remarkable to me that it was really, it felt like something that simple to kind of, you know, make that happen. It's been really cool.
1: I also want to mention Nick Schmaltz, who you mentioned there as well. I love him at center. I've said it all year. I feel like he's more effective and more dynamic as a center. Yes, playing wing is probably a little bit easier for him, but I like when he's engaged. I like when he's playing at all ends of the ice. And you just said it. He's been scoring. And I don't think it's any coincidence he's been scoring as a center. Yes, playing with Patrick Kane is obviously going to help anyone score goals. So I don't want to just credit it all to him playing center. But if he can stick there, and if Q decides that he likes it and thinks that it's time for him to become a full-time center, then you get Artem back, now you're looking pretty deep at center. All of a sudden, you went from thin to thick. I guess guess it would be thick uh, in a very quick time. Uh, so with Anisimov back, I would like to see Schmaltz stay at center because I think when he's out there, uh, he's creating. He's a little more aggressive as a center, I think I've noticed. I don't know if you agree. Uh, and when he's aggressive and going to the net, he's scoring goals. And it sort of forces him to play a more selfish style. And I think some of the frustrations we had with Schmaltz earlier in the year were, dude, you've got a wide-open chance to shoot. Stop passing. Stop looking for the Globetrotters' pass. Just put the puck on net. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the way he has to play when he's playing center, but for whatever reason, he has been more aggressive with his shots, and it's totally paid off.
0: Yeah, and you said right there the confidence is just – it's clearly there. We saw that on his second goal tonight, just the absolutely filthy mitts that he showed and lifting the shot over Condon on his second goal where he just went forehand to backhand, just went whoop, whoop, in. It was the – Uh, Just a mind-blowing goal, honestly. Not one that we've seen Nick Schmaltz be able to make a whole lot this season. Seems like most of his goals have kind of come off of like just little quick shots and on the rush. But that one literally just right in front of the net, you know, stick-handled, got the puck in. And it just, it shows me that he's definitely playing with the kind of intensity and the kind of confidence that we've been We've been wanting this for him for the last two years. Like we said it all last year, bang the drum the entire season that he needed to play with more, you know, confidence and more assertiveness. And once again, you put him at center, and I think that might be the common denominator because every time he's at center, it seems like he just finds that next gear. And whether it's playing with Kane or DeBrynkit or whatever, putting him at center has been the way to go with him, and it's working fabulously right now.
1: All right, that's going to take us to our first time out of the hour. want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Happy birthday, by the way, to Chris Hubble. We told you about Chris last week and the health issues he's been going through. Chris is back at work, feeling good, had a little cold this week, uh, but doing better. Happy birthday, Chris Hubble. Thanks for all you do for the podcast. But you guys know this is the best place to go if you need your NHL jerseys lettered, numbered, anything like that. But if you have a team, you need to get jerseys lettered, for your team a logo design off ice apparel whatever triple threat is the place to go it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be just hockey either football basketball lacrosse whatever water polo i don't, I don't know they put a little logo on your helmet i guess so anything you need triple threat sports will hook you up so check them out triple or call them at 708-478-6090 or hit up chris at triple triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it. We're going to take a brief time out and be right back with more and some Brent Seabrook conversation on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. My partner, James Neville, with me as always. Well, not as always because we do the post-game shows, but for the big ones, we're always together, and it's great. I've missed you, James, and to be honest.
0: Yeah, doing the po- the post-game pods kind of separately has been very interesting because usually we kind of – like bounce ideas off of each other a little bit and then when you're doing these uh solo shows it's like i'm gonna say this thing i have no feedback whatsoever other than the way my cat is looking at me this is bizarre and i don't (laughs) like it
1: (laughs) yeah the other problem is i can't stop to breathe Mm. i feel like i'm (sighs) and and as i talk longer and longer i feel like i'm talking faster and faster And then you start to lose your breath a little. Eh, whatever. No one cares about this. But I'm glad we're back together. Yeah. So we can talk about that. We got a big issue to talk we about a, today. We have For a first massive story, dude. Brent Seabrook is a healthy scratch.
0: Yes, Brent Seabrook was a uh, healthy scratch today. Um, before the game, the media noticed he was taking some extra time out on the ice. And then they asked him about it afterward. And he said all the right things. You know, this is a performance-based decision and the Blackhawks wanted to get a different look out there and it obviously at least worked a little bit I mean they scored eight flipping goals tonight and the defense was a big part of that so I I gotta ask you before we get into like the what this all means for what the Blackhawks are kind of envisioning for the second half of the season I do have to ask you this Jay who comes out tomorrow night if you're putting Brent Seabrook back in?
1: I don't think when you win 8-2, to two, you make a change, especially if I know Joe Quenville. And I do think this thing is going to be very temporary. I don't think we're going to see this as uh, a regular thing. I was actually sort of surprised that Q didn't say, oh, you know, it's a back-to-back, and he's a veteran, and we want to give him some rest. I'm surprised we didn't get that, quite frankly. But Seabrook spoke first, I believe, if I saw the as the news was unfolding during the day i think i saw comments from seabrook first where he said yeah q told me i'm not playing you know uh it was just so weird to look at that press box and he's sitting up there they cut to it a couple times he was sitting next to tony omen who is their uh travel uh guru he handles kind of everything is the jack of all trades for the hawks and there's brent seabrook in the press box he's on his phone it was just and you know how i feel i've talked about this a lot on the show and how, how huge of a fan of Brent Seabricks I am and I'm not going to get into that today today we need to discuss the hockey element of it uh but just real quick it was just kind of a bummer to see look it, it needed to be done he hadn't been playing well I think a little bit lately he's been better him and Connor Murphy had had a nice little run together but um he's been declining since what 2014 it's been obvious it's been obvious and i'm sure the contract thing is going to come up as it should when discussing brent seabrook there's six years left on that deal at close to seven million dollars today the defenseman on the ice hardly totaled seven million dollars i mean it's just something's got to give here and if it's scratching him a couple times to reserve what energy he has left and what of his legs he has left so maybe he's a little more effective when the playoffs comes because you can't keep him out in in the playoffs if you get there first of all. But if you're in the playoffs, Brent Seabrook has to play. I'm sorry. He has to. He should play. He's still one of your top six defensemen, without a doubt. Maybe the way to do this is to just keep him fresh and take him out every, you know, maybe once every two weeks, give him a night off or something like that. Or you don't play him during back-to-backs, whatever. Q loves carrying eight defensemen. He's doing it now. Maybe this is a perfect opportunity to reserve what you can from Brent Seabrook. So when it really matters, he's got something left in the tank.
0: Yeah, I think today the the two things that kind of struck me, one of them was an observation I had and one of them is kind of a reaction to what I've seen some in the media do today. It felt like to me that too many people were being a little bit too quick to defend Brent Seabrook's honor today. like They were basically acting like critiques of him were... Like oh you you don't appreciate the fact that he won three Stanley Cups and you're crapping on him and blah blah blah. Well, that, and I saw I, I wonder,
1: that was me today. I was one of those guys that said, look, this is the right move to make, but I hate the way because Mark Lazarus tweeted it out, and I, I you know I replied to his tweet. I said, look, this is the right hockey move to make, but the comments were gross. Some of the things people were saying about Brent Seabrook under there, like finally it's about time, this guy sucks, just laughing. That pissed me off. That pissed me off because this is a natural decline of a player. And I don't think that, you know, to rip a guy and to, for him to become a punchline after everything he's done for this fan base, I think is ridiculous. But on with your point. I just want to I didn't want to lay back while you're criticizing people like me and go for it. You're probably right to. I just wanted to point out and acknowledge that I was one of those people.
0: Well, well, and I think it goes back to what we talked about in our last big podcast where I felt like um, if, jo- if Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman are having any sort of sentimentality creeping into their decision-making processes when it comes to which guys to get rid of or which guys to bench or whatever, then they're not doing their jobs properly. And I think that today I felt that sentimentality coming all back again and it and yes it was your one of your tweets that I saw earlier I know Mark had mentioned it and I think that we need to be very careful because there are definitely people who are being jerks about this and we're saying all sorts of just like nasty crap about Brent and like just basically acting like he's never been worth anything and obviously those people need to shut up they obviously do not know what they're talking about But if you're going to say something to the effect of this healthy scratch has been coming for probably the last 30 to 35 games based on the way that Brent Seabrook has been playing, then I'm sorry. You are absolutely right to say that. Like he, this healthy scratch is not something that it's like a rash decision by Joel Quenville. And in fact, I could probably make an argument that this should have happened in late November, in December at some point, like this decision to scratch seabrook i think was the right move tactically and i think there's a way that we can say that without taking a dump on his legacy and i just i worry that we maybe knee-jerk too much the other way and that you use the legacy to kind of overly defend seabrook when he's not necessarily being attacked i think i think there's like a middle ground that we need to kind of try to find there with that And I definitely, I wanted to say that when I read the tweets that I was seeing earlier today to that effect. Now, the second thing, the more important and pertinent thing I think right now, because obviously we cannot argue the fact that Brent Seabrook has had a massive effect on this organization and has been a very important part of winning three Stanley Cups. I think what we need to probably focus our attention on at this point is the fact that Taking Brent Seabrook out of the lineup and sending Cody Franson down to Rockford and making these kinds of roster decisions, it's pretty clear to me what the Blackhawks are doing right now. They look at themselves as a team that's just simply too slow, and they're not playing with the speed and the intensity that they need to. Guys like Eric Gustafson and guys like Jordan Osterley and guys like Jan Ruda and Gustav Forsling are going to provide that kind of speed. And if it requires, like you said, benching Brent Seabrook from time to time so that he's fresher for the playoffs, I think it's really important that the Blackhawks be very serious about this because I feel like adding speed to the mix is definitely a good thing for, the, for them, the way that they've played this season. And I'm definitely seeing the roster moves the Blackhawks are making. It definitely seems to me that that's the direction they're moving, that they're finally serious about what they talked about all offseason long, which was making their roster younger and faster.
1: Well, those are really good points, and those are things I'd actually not considered, and I I probably should have. And now, as you were saying that, the realization that John Hayden is down and Thomas Yurko is up adds another element to that argument, that they're looking for speed. Now, what I was told was they want Hayden to get more first-line time, more power play time. They want him to have the puck more. So we can get used to being a more of a top six player than a bottom six player. And I buy that. I think that's part of it too. But you're absolutely right. All the moves they've made lately, Franzen, Seabrook, Yurko, all indicate a move towards speed. And it was acknowledged early in the season. I had a conversation with a source that told me he was very concerned with the team's overall speed, especially on the blue line. Now you see Seabrook benched. You see Franzen sent to Rockford. You've got, like you said, Gustafson back on his way. You've got uh, Osterley in. You, you've got the speed players in now, and it made a difference tonight. I know it's one game, but they didn't look slow tonight, did they? They were moving the puck much more quickly, weren't they? They looked different. They looked more effective. They looked more threatening from start to finish. So uh, I, I think you're on to something there. I do think that that speed element is something that they're very aware of. I think it's something they are looking to fix on the trade market i don't think anything is imminent by any means but um they are looking they're always looking they're always looking to upgrade but i think that's a little more intense right now than it probably has been in years past so they're looking to get faster and who knows maybe they maybe brent seabrook will sit for two three four games in a row quenville today t- seemed to indicate that it wouldn't be that but who knows let's see i'm very interested to see what they do and if, they, if that's what they think is best if they want to get that speed going by all means try it. Like I said, I love Brent Seabrook. But Brent Seabrook right now is not fifty percent of the player he was when they were winning Stanley Cups. He's just not. So if they want to give younger, faster guys a look for a long time here for an extended period of time, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm all in.
0: Yeah. And they're definitely moving away from like any like inclination that they could be acting in a sentimental way like they seem to be very methodical right now about what they're doing between the benching of Seabrook and Cody Franson came in and earned the spot in training camp and played really well early on in his tenure with the Blackhawks but it kind of fallen off lately and then that kind of performance-based stuff has been fascinating to watch because that's not It's something that you want to see your general manager and your coach do. You want this stuff to be performance-based. You saw Patrick Sharp get healthy scratched earlier this season. You saw Ryan Hartman get yanked out of the lineup when he was doing dumb things. Like, you have seen, honestly, some accountability, really, with the Blackhawks lately. And it's been really interesting to see that. And then you're also seeing what, what I really like, this eye toward the future, too, They had the thing, what you said with John Hayden, I love that because to me it indicates that they're developing John Hayden beyond just this season. They don't want him to be a fourth line guy exclusively just because he happens to have a big body and likes to play physically. They envision him in a more versatile role than that. And the way that you're going to get that to happen right now with the way they're playing offensively in the top six is to send him down to Rockford. Get him some power play time. Get him used to those different responsibilities that you want him to fulfill. And I think that's really interesting to me that the Blackhawks organization has kind of taken just this little subtle change in direction, I feel like. They have this really keen eye toward the right now with the stuff like Brent Seabrook and Eric Gustafson and all those guys while maintaining this eye toward the future as well, where they're trying to develop these young guys and to get them into as many important situations as possible so that they can learn and they can become better. And I'm just, I I really like what they've been doing the last few weeks. Like, it just seems to me that they're starting to take this a little bit more, I don't want to say they're taking it more seriously because that would indicate that they were kind of slacking off before, but I like how much more apparent it is that they're trying to compete now while still trying to put together a team for the future. I really do dig that it's becoming more apparent lately.
1: I agree with you. And last week we spoke when we did our long podcast, I mentioned to you how this upcoming two weeks, three weeks, month, whatever you want to say is so critical to this season and what it's going to be and what it's going to end up being and what the ultimate outcome may be. Um, And they know, it looks like they know that. They are not wasting any more time by hoping guys play their way out of it. Right? You saw Patrick Sharp scratched a couple weeks ago. The results have been good since then. He's been a different player since that scratch. Richard Panic was scratched. Not quite the same thing as Brent Seabrook or Patrick Sharp, granted. But Panic is scratched, and even before he scored tonight, his last two three games have been some of his better games of the season. He's been more noticeable. He's been more of a factor. I'm glad they're not simply playing favorites, and this is something that came up the other day when Connor Murphy was scratched. People were looking at that Vegas game and saying, how do you scratch Connor Murphy and not Brent Seabrook? They both played like ass. Why is Connor Murphy held to a different standard than Brent Seabrook? That's a different conversation for a different day, but we, they, what's encouraging is they saw what we saw. They see Brent Seabrook struggling. They see him see him not being the effective defenseman he was earlier in his career, And maybe they just think he needs a break. Maybe they think he's done, whatever. But they saw it, and they made a move, and they weren't afraid to take out their heart and soul player simply because he was their heart and soul player. I like it. I like it. Again, I think he'll be back. I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. But the fact that they had the balls to do it, to me, says a lot. And I wonder how much input Stan Bowman had on that move, what percentage of it was Joel Quenville's. Um, Because I think both those guys are feeling the heat right now for the first time in their tenure since the hawks have become relevant again there is some real pressure on both those guys and i want to take a quick break and get back to that and to your emails i don't want to start a new segment right before we hit the breaks so when we come back we'll talk about the bowman and quenville effect of this uh stretch here and what it could mean for them in the future but before the break got to tell you about our good friends at Marishka's, joe Zdralovich, and I talking about the 90s era of the WWF on Facebook tonight Joe's a great friend and a good guy who runs a great business make sure you go visit the people out at Marischka's on Theodore Street and Crest Hill some of the best food you will ever eat in your life the poor boy sandwich is what they're famous for they've got the giant onion rings that I love the twice baked potatoes the Icelandic cod hand cut on premises you thirsty yeah you're in luck they've got a big bar full of the greatest craft beers available so go to Marishkas. they got banquet facilities for up to 110 people they're closed only on christmas easter the fourth of july and thanksgiving so they're open for you for a long time get out there 604 Theodore street and crest hill mariska's.com or facebook.com slash mariska's that's m-e-r-i-c-h-k-a-s quick timeout, and we'll be right back with more on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score here with my partner, James Naveau from NBC Chicago. James, before the break, I mentioned, uh, as we were talking about the Brent Seabrook benching, we sort of wondered, whose call was this? Was it Joel Quenville? Was it Sam Bowman? Was it both of them making the call? Because I think we both agree, and fans agree, this is really the first time either of those guys have had any sort of hot seatness, there may have been some you know the fans dreamed up but I think for the first time there's some pressure from outside of Hawks fans uh you know you're getting like David Haw and people like that writing about this there's some real pressure on Quinville and Bowman and I wonder just whose call this was the way Quenville talked about it today was very definitive he did not mince words he didn't try to soften it at all so I think that at least if it wasn't Q's call directly He was definitely on board with this move. That's how I see it. How do you see it?
0: I'm kind of curious about it because I feel like you can make a compelling argument either way. I think you can make a compelling argument that Joel saw what uh, scratching Patrick Sharp did to him. Like, it definitely kind of kickstarted him going back in the right direction. So I feel like you can definitely see where Joel Quenville was maybe emboldened a little bit or maybe inspired a little bit because he was like, look, like... The fact is that you have not been playing up to your standard basically the entire season we need to try to give this a little bit of a different look we need to give you a break like i definitely think that it's entirely possible that that happened however i can also see this being a little bit of pressure from stan bowman who's like look man we've got michael kempney we've got jordan Osterley, we've got these guys that frankly deserve to be playing over brent seabrook like i'm not going to strictly tell you how to manage your lineup but I'm going to tell you right now that you know your butt is on the line here if things don't start to turn around and one of the things that you need to look at is potentially Brent Seabrook coming out of the lineup for a game or two I wouldn't put that past Stan Bowman at all like I know that they've been together for a really long time so I feel like they can definitely be candid enough with one another that Stan can say something like that not really make it as a threat but more as a hey look very matter-of-factly we're not satisfied with where this team is right now so i feel like you can kind of make an argument either way there or you can make the argument that i'm sure most of the beat writers would make that it was probably more of a collaborative thing just because joel knows that they've invested a lot of money into brent seabrook and they know that he's a very high profile player I'm sure there have been conversations ongoing about it. And I just, I feel like this is kind of the culmination of a long time of thinking about what to do with Brent Seabrook and kind of the way to get him kind of going back in the right direction. So I think ultimately this was Joel's decision. I don't think that Stan is going to pull rank on him and tell him that he has to do anything. But to me, what this is indicative of is the fact that the Blackhawks are looking at the way this season is going, realizing that they're in a very bad spot right now in terms of not being in the playoffs at the moment. And they know that they need to make some changes. And I feel like this is uh, step you know, two or three of this process that we've seen over the last few weeks. And frankly, it's been good to see them recognizing the urgency of this situation. And I do give them credit for that.
1: Well, the dream is that, Quenville and Bowman are collaborating right they're working together to do what's best for the team we saw new Bears head coach Matt Nagy introduced today and him and Ryan Pace seem to have that they at least both claim to have that sort of relationship where they're going to work together on every part of the team and that's what you want and we've it's been no secret that Quenville and Bowman have clashed in the past but the fact that they're both still employed the Hawks are still a good team, maybe not great, maybe not a cup contender, but above average, maybe slightly, they've not fallen apart as a tandem. Um, I think that's a good sign, and, and I do hope that this is a decision that they made together. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just sort of like the way Joel Quenville today, even though it surprised me, I like the way that he was just sort of, yeah, this is what it is. You know, we base, we review performances every game and we evaluate how players are playing every game and this is the decision we came up with and I don't think it's going to be long term but look I know it's Brent Seabrook but it needed to happen I liked the way Quenville handled it today Mm -hmm. and I was surprised by it but I liked it
0: I frankly liked the way both of them handled it I thought that Brent definitely did not try to go you know oh you know it's just you know I needed a rest day or whatever like he didn't try to play it off as something that it wasn't he was very matter-of-fact about it it was a performance-based thing, really. And again, well-deserved. So I, I think they both handled handled it very professionally. And like I said in the last segment, I feel like the Blackhawks are definitely treating this season with the kind of urgency that it requires with that little eye toward the future as well. And I thought it was very interesting that they not only did the Seabrook thing, but also coupling it with the Cody Franson decision. And with Thomas Yurko coming back up here, maybe getting a shot after playing so well in Rockford this season, I got to give the Blackhawks credit. They're at least showing that there is some accountability here for poor play and then also a potential for being rewarded for good play, which you've seen with Jordan Osterley and now with Thomas Yurko. And again, we're getting away, it seems like, from... Strictly playing favorites, and I think ultimately that is going to be good for the Blackhawks for the remainder of this season.
1: Well said. You ready to do some emails?
0: I'm always ready for emails, dude.
1: Let's do it.
0: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
1: The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank, and Darian, visit chuckscafe.com for locations, phone numbers, specials, all that good stuff. Listen, you guys know I'm a fat guy. <laughs> I talk about it a lot. I value food. I know food. Okay, it's one of the, my passions in life. Chucks is awesome. Go to Chucks. First trip, go on a Saturday. Get the coach you need at Pabil. Once you have that, you'll go back to Chucks again and again and again and you'll try something new every time you go. Barbecue, Mexican, Cajun, bar food. You want something elaborate like the Cochinita Pabila I just mentioned or the best jambalaya you'll ever have? Chuck's has it. You want a burger? You want some wings? Chuck's has it, and they're all going to be awesome. So visit our friends at Chuck's Cafe. Oh, by the way, do you like drinking? I know you love drinking. How about the 120 Beer Club? You get a punch card Sample 120 beers, not all in one night, hopefully. Fill out that punch card, and you get your name on the wall, and you get to sample 120 beers. I think that makes you a beer expert slash beer snob, and I know a lot of people are chasing that title these days. So go visit chuckscafe.com for all the info, all the specials, all that good stuff. All right, James, emails. Are you ready, my friend?
0: Uh, I just want beer now.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of always how I operate. By the way, before we get to emails, I should mention our Wolves event is, I'm just going to say it's sold out. If you want to try, you might be able to find one ticket or two tickets, but it's for all intents and purposes sold out. So that event on the 20th, we knew it would sell out. We told you it was going to sell out. It sold out. Very excited about it. We will see you guys out there. I will put the link in this description one more time in case there's a ticket or two left. Uh, but check it out as soon as you can because chances are they will be gone 17 bucks gets you in the door score a uh, madhouse score whoops madhouse t-shirt madhouse koozie wolves shirt i'm wolves hat wolves bag all kinds of good stuff all that for 17 bucks we'll see you out there i'm glad that 50 of you decided to sign up and come hang out with us on your saturday night can't wait to see you guys out at the all-state arena all right first email comes from john that's it just john He says, what do you guys make of the Gustafson call-up? My thought is that it's an audition. I'm betting Stan is getting some bites on him and or Ruda and is trying to decide which is the keeper. Yeah, I would think that this could be, I talked about earlier how the Hawks are sort of looking for a trade, maybe not, you know, going to make something in the next day or two, but they're looking to upgrade. I think Eric Gustafson could be someone that's attractive to another team. He just sort of boxed out up in Chicago but what we saw from him in his rookie year and a little bit in his sophomore year, uh, it was mostly positive. I liked what I saw from him. So I do think that part of this call-up could be to get Gustafson some recent NHL tape for a potential suitor in a trade. What do you think, James?
0: I am going to do the thing that we rarely do. I'm actually going to disagree with you, Mr. Zawaski. I feel oh. I, I look at this a lot like the way it happened when they called up Billy Polka. I don't think he's going to crack the lineup unless something dramatically changes. I think that he is simply a warm body right now. I feel like if teams are really interested in him and they really want to trade for him, they know what he is. They've seen his NHL tape. They've seen him this season in the AHL. I feel like giving him a game or two as a third pairing defenseman isn't going to change a whole lot. So I think this is more of a uh, Billy Polka thing. And I thought that was going to be an audition turned out to be way wrong on that so i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna hedge my bets here a little bit and say this is not an audition necessarily
1: all right yeah i'm just guessing i'm not you know when i say what i said there i'm not that's not with any basis of knowledge i just think that they're looking to trade and and he's a guy that doesn't seem to have a spot here but james you could be totally right email here from brad second it says love second city hockey oh what's up brad uh he says uh because i can't read uh, Jan Ruda overrated or underrated <laughs> I'm gonna say
0: wait did that to the email say he couldn't read or you yeah, can't says, read
1: because I can't read lol Jan <laughs> Ruda overrated or underrated I don't know what that means anyway I'm gonna say Ruda is properly rated I don't think he's over or under I think we're thinking of him probably as he is does that make sense to you
0: Totally makes sense to me. I think that he may be slightly overrated, but only because Blackhawks fans are simply not used to having a quality defensive prospect that can play that effectively at both ends of the ice. I think that's maybe inflated him a little bit. But at the same time, I don't want to go on and call him full-on overrated because I still think he's a very strong player. And I feel like he's definitely in that kind of like... He has the potential to be kind of that, like, two to three defenseman on a team.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well, th- I think that's that's good. That I think that's what most people think of him. So, yeah, we're agreeing, kind of. Yes. All right. Uh, email here from Tim Schinnick. Hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Uh, I have to read this email because it sounds so ridiculous tonight. He sent it today. This is uh, Tuesday at 7.32 p.m. He says, so. What is wrong with the Hawks' power play? Oh, Why do the Hawks make it Tim. look so hard to play with the man oh, advantage? No. <laughs> <laughs> new paragraph. If they score in the power play in the second or third period, it's because of my question. <laughs> so there I'm you go. so glad! Tim's question, fix the Blackhawks' power play. <laughs> Congratulations, Tim. You are the new assistant coach for the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: I got I to say it, man. Tim has got going on what I've got going on. I have been on this remarkable run of reverse jinxing lately. It has been fantastic. I've criticized Jonathan Taves. Came back and is playing great. Patrick Sharp, same thing. Last night during the national championship game, I tweeted out, oh look, Alabama's just dominating again in the first quarter. Promptly went down 13 to nothing at halftime. Then I made a bunch of comments about how Nick Saban was pulling a pulling the Russian goalie in the 1980 miracle on ice game. He was panicking quarterback change ends up being completely the right thing to do. So Tim, welcome to the reverse jinx club. I really hope you're going to this Wolves game because we can get t-shirts and we can make a club out of this.
1: I love it. It's a great idea. Email here from Ken Bockelman. Did I talk about Ken bailing me out at a remote?
0: You, you did not, but I'm interested to know if, uh, this is an interesting story. That was really Well, I, hey, I lost my train of thought there. So uh, at my <laughs> event
1: with John Hayden uh, during the holidays, we ran out of John Hayden headshots and the Budweiser rep um, came to the event and wanted one. And they're the ones that pay for him to be there and pay me and all that stuff. So I walked up to Ken's table and I said, look, um, I'll buy you and your wife a beer if I can have that headshot. And he was like, yep, no problem. Handed it right to me. So Ken. Thank you for bailing me out and the station out. We did not print enough headshots. Not my fault. Um, so appreciate it. Ken's a good man. But here's his question. He says, with the news coming out about Crawford and his return to the lineup, how concerned are you guys that his injury could keep, out, could keep him out for a lot longer than his previous stint on IR? James? I'm
0: going to go ahead and say that Ken might be on to something there just because of the fact that I don't like the way Joel Quenville is being evasive about Corey Crawford. I know that he's never been one to easily volunteer information, but there's just been nothing to me that's indicated any type of positive momentum toward coming back to the ice. And yeah, it is a little worrisome. I'm not going to lie. Like it is something that concerns me that he could be out longer than just a couple of weeks that we could be looking at maybe maybe, Having him out until you know after the all-star break maybe even longer than that like it just it doesn't seem and this again is just basing it off of what Joel Quenville says and we all know how difficult it is sometimes to read what he says to me it just it seems like he's not getting any closer to coming back and that is legitimately worrisome
1: yeah I have to agree with you uh, this has a different feel from other injuries they've been really quiet about it. When they're asked about it, they just basically say no update. Um, that I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm hearing some things, and I'm I'm I don't know. I'm connecting some dots, and I, I don't have anything to report, but I just don't like the way this is gone. I don't like the way they're talking about it and around it. I agree with James. Uh, something is is fishy here. I think so. Uh, again, I'm not reporting anything. I don't know anything like that. It's just the way they're handling this, and the fact that all of a sudden they get hurt or whatever it was aggravated the injury over the holiday break something is something's not right I don't know what it is I don't know anything I just I don't know something's weird and I hope we get to the bottom of it soon uh Joe Cromwell emailed us about the relationship between Bowman and Q Joe thanks for your email we addressed that just didn't want to blow you off Jacob K emails and says will Lord Taves forgive all whom have forsaken him
0: uh That's a good question John- jonathan taves is uh i don't know if you've noticed this but he is a tree hugger and he loves nature and he loves the environment <laughs> and i make that makes me think that he's very soft-hearted and that he will welcome all of you back with open arms but you have to sacrifice yourself for the good of the world so it comes at a price
1: yeah well it's worth it uh dan horgan a uh, new contributor to our twitters i've been seeing him a lot on twitter lately dan welcome if you're new. Um, he asked basically about, uh, Schmaltz being at center. What happens when Anisimov comes back? We sort of addressed that too. What does it mean for David Kemp? I-, I don't know. I think he's fine. Are you, we barely mentioned him. He's just such a body. <laughs> you know? like there's really nothing to his, he's fine. There's nothing bad about him. It just, he is the very definition of like replacement level player. You know what?
0: This does bring something up. I want to say this because I never thought I would. This entire year, and yet here I am about to say it, bringing David Camp up is reminding me of how impressed I've been with Lance Boma lately. Even though he hasn't been getting on the score sheet, and he hasn't been playing a ton necessarily, I'm noticing him busting his butt on the ice constantly. Well,
1: you're totally right about this. And I want to bring this up too, and every time I mention something good about uh boma's game you get the uh blackhawks police like did you see his course he's a fourth line plugger Mm -hmm. i'm not looking for him to to dominate possession i'm gonna go out provide some energy get the puck from the defensive zone into the offensive zone maybe punch a guy now and again and that's it and he's done everything he has been asked to do i like lance boma when they brought him in they thought about a north and south physical game it's something they definitely lacked in the playoffs last year and there's nothing about lance boma's game that makes me want to bench him when the playoffs come around to have a guy that can play physical and contribute a little bit is a good thing. Anyone who's still down on Lance Boma isn't watching or is just being stubborn and doesn't want to acknowledge they might have been wrong.
0: And most importantly, he's not doing anything stupid. Correct. Yeah.
1: All right. Email here from Bryant. Iquinsky. my new favorite name. Now, the Jinjinburger doesn't email us anymore.
0: Why does he hate yeah. us, dude?
1: Because he's a dick. Uh, question here. Hey guys, the Hawks have no more compli- compliance buyouts, correct? That's correct. Correct. Bowman has to be banking on getting more in the next CBA negotiations. When either when either side opts out in 2019, he has to have some sort of plan to get out of the Seabrook contract. Mm. Um, I would yes, I would think that there is some sort of, um, you know, maybe he gets a rash too, kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, and see, and I don't I'm think not he's... implying that Marion Host is lying, mm-hmm. but I think that in two or three years when Brent Seabrook's game is really bad, they're going to have to find a way to get him off the roster. They're going to have to find a way. They're going they to have to find a way something. to get
0: him off. You're right, yes. <laughs> um, now that I'm done being a child, um, I, I definitely – I don't think he's banking on it because I feel like that's irresponsible GMing to bank on it, but you can probably argue that he's praying for it i'll go with that i just don't
1: know what he was thinking when he signed that contract
0: he would it's so he may out have of character that for value him. he may have gotten that value but not at that term on the open market the term is what's really mind-boggling about it six years left at almost seven million dollars that's crazy yeah that's what
1: nine percent of your salary cap right now yep. for a guy that you have to scratch
0: that's crazy man
1: what was he thinking i would love to know i'd love to know like what the thought process was because we always talk about this right theo epstein says it all the time and i know Sox fans get annoyed when i bring up theo epstein so i'm sure rick hahn agrees with this theory you don't play you don't pay players for past performance you pay them for what's coming and that is a huge failure that is to me without a doubt the biggest mistake stan bowman has made is hawks gm I don't think there's anything remotely close to signing an aging declining Brent Seabrook to an 8-year $7 million deal with a no-movement clause. What are you doing?
0: I, I I would think that signing Kane and Taves for a combined $21 million when the salary cap was about 65 was probably up there on the mistake scale.
1: But they're still contributing. They're still good. They've still got a lot of hockey at left. At a
0: ten and a half million dollar a season clip.
1: I think he also at that time expected the cap to go up more. And both those guys would have gotten that on the open market. Fair enough. There's no way Brent Seabrook was getting an eight year, no movement clause, seven million dollar contract on the open market. No way.
0: I I will agree. I think the average value, maybe, but term definitely not.
1: Oh yeah. Well yeah. Like what was it's like six point seven five million and that's that's what a that's what a two or a three is a high-end two or three is worth so maybe slightly overpaid but as a free agent that's the sort of guy that a team like Toronto or whoever can say we got a young team we need to sign a veteran with cup experience and he would have gotten that money for sure but the turn and it's one thing to say like look we want to reward you we want you to end your career as a Blackhawk you can do that give him a four-year deal at 6.7, then look at things and say, okay, how about two more years at three? Or you retire, we make you an ambassador and pay you six figures for the rest of your life to walk around and kiss babies and shake hands. How about that? Instead of dooming your team and forcing yourself to either force him to retire with some made up injury or having to trade him and have him end his career with Montreal or Winnipeg or whatever. Ugh, it was just such a short-sighted contract. I don't get it. I will never understand why he signed that deal. But we're being redundant here. Let's wrap things up, shall we?
0: <laughs> yeah, you're only being mildly redundant. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> all Jay. right, man. uh James has your post game tomorrow night. I will be out and about all night tomorrow, so James is going to handle things on his own for the post game show. And we'll be back with another full-length podcast next week. But we'll be back after every game. James or I and I will, will tackle every post-game for the remainder of the season. So stick around for those. And until then, thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Mariska's, Triple Threat Sports, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code Madhouse to check out to save. Check out our Patreon and our GoFundMe pages, Patreon.com slash madhousepod gofundme.com slash madhousepod we appreciate any money you guys can give to help us bring this podcast to you but until next time thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: what's it doing designing my new 2021 nissan kicks online in the kicks color studio i give each a special name this one's electric blue orange red white I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities with over a hundred million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system in the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is a registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature, subject to availability at participating Nissan dealers. See dealer for details. Me, 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 but also you.